All right, so let me give you a little bit of a vision or hope for tonight. Uh, the message is doing what Jesus did. So we've talked about uh, what it means to be with Jesus, what it means to become like Jesus, uh, that one being more character-focused, inner man, just developing the, uh, the, the key qualities of Jesus in our own lives. And this one kind of brings it down to like the way that we live our lives, what we do with our day-to-day -day life and how we choose to reflect the person and work of Jesus in how we live our lives. And as we, as we do that, I want to give you a sense of vision for why that is so critical. If you think about it, what can we collectively do in the city of Ventura or the city of Thousand Oaks to make an impact for the name of Jesus? The biggest thing that we can do, bigger than any huge event, any huge concert, any opportunity for thousands to come to Jesus, the main and the biggest thing that we can do is be faithful people who are living our lives like Jesus lived his life, and people will get to meet Jesus through us. And it might sound weird to say that, but Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. What else does that mean except that we represent Jesus to people? When they meet us, they are meeting Jesus through us. Now, it's our flesh, it's our bones, it's our blood, it's, it's us with our personality, but the goal being we want to be people that, that Jesus is seen through. And that he meets with us and joins with us and we become like him and ultimately start to do our lives in the way that Jesus would live our lives if he were here today. And so as we think about this, the process of that is uh, Romans 8.29. Bert talked about it last week and it, it's the idea of us being conformed into the image of his son, Jesus. So over the course of time, you are being shaped and molded and developed into the image of Jesus you, being you, are looking more and more like Jesus, and there's this beautiful uh, mixture of the two of you. You are a new creation, and Jesus is going to be seen through you. And so as we do this over time, we want to think about, as, I want to choose how to live my life. I want to be intentional. Things aren't just going to happen to me. I have to uh, identify if I'm being with Jesus and I'm becoming like Jesus, there is an element of doing what Jesus did that will ooze out of you. To be totally honest, if you are being with Jesus and you're becoming like him, part of that is just, it's gonna naturally flow out of you. Anybody ever spend time in Texas and you just notice after like a week or two, you start picking up the accent, right? Every, I've done South Africa and I totally started saying words that I never say and they just start leaking out of me after just a couple of weeks of being there. It, it starts to happen to us that when we're around Jesus enough and when we devote our lives to becoming like him, our thought patterns start to be transformed and we start to instinctively do what Jesus would do. And that's a beautiful part of it. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about tonight. We want that to happen, but we will also want to do the things that we can choose to do, that we are saying, Jesus did this, and he told us to do this, so I'm going to adopt these practices in my life so that when people meet me, they are coming face-to-face -face with Jesus lived out in my skin through my life. Not saying we're perfect, not saying we're sons of God, but, but that we are reflecting him. So to get us started, I want to kind of give the, uh, the theological how this works or why we can even say that we can be like Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to flip around a little bit. And some of these passages are things that we have hit at different points in this series. That's okay. Uh, it's just kind of building an understanding about doing what Jesus did. So go to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And these will also flash up on the screen behind me if you uh, just want to wait and watch up there. You are welcome to do that. 
Uh, Luke 6, 46, Jesus is teaching to a group of people and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? So right there, right off the bat, Jesus is saying there's this uh, connection between saying I am a follower of Jesus and I'm going to do what Jesus did. So just leave it at that. I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I'm going to do what Jesus did. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? All right, Luke 6.40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So Jesus has stated that the goal of a rabbi disciple or a mentor disciple or a mentor apprentice or a rabbi apprentice, whatever that combo is, the goal of it is to raise up the people to be like the teacher, to be like the rabbi. Jesus' intended goal with Peter and James and John and Andrew and Bartholomew, and it would be really impressive if I named all 12, so I'm not going to keep going. I'll just leave it at that and pretend like you thought that I knew all 12 just like that. It's crazy to think that Jesus is saying, I want you 12 and every other disciple that I make to grow up to reflect me, to live like me, to be like me. That is my goal. So Jesus is crafting this in his disciples. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, which you think about that. That's not just this crazy metaphor where Jesus is saying, we're going to cast out the nets and, and, you know, rake in the, the men instead of the fish. He's not trying to get us to that place. It's actually this Hebrew idiom, this idea that you are going to be incredible teachers. Like the idea of a fisher of men was a Hebrew teacher. It was somebody that knew how to lead people, to call on them, to give people the wisdom that they were looking for. And Jesus is saying, I can help shape that in you. So I want you to know that Jesus has stated, I can help you grow to be like me. That's his operating uh, standard. That's how he goes about things. And so we like to think of things like, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a Christian, so I have his name stamped on my identity. That's kind of the way that we think about things. But if we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not going to do certain things, or I don't have that as a part of my life, or that's for somebody else somewhere else, then we're not, we're not saying the same thing. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not going to do what Jesus did is a weird statement. Would you all agree that's kind of a weird statement? So to say I'm a follower of Jesus is to commit yourself, at least in this uh, understanding, that I am going to live a life where I am increasingly pursuing the life of Jesus and making it a part of the life that I live. So that's the statement of being a follower of Jesus. Now this idea of imitating Jesus is a hard one for us to wrap our heads around, and it has been for like 2,000 years kind of a, a defensive form of Christianity or somebody that in our modern era is trying to explain it away might say something like, that was then, this is now. That was Jesus, that was his disciples, that was the way that they operated. We're supposed to operate in a totally different way now. Or we might say things that more are reflective of our own character. Well, like Jesus was God, he was holy, he was perfect, he was sinless, so he did all those things. I'm a sinner, I'm wicked, I'm evil, I'm broken, so I don't do any of those things. And we sort of separate ourselves out from that. And then when it comes to maybe like the disciples, the apostles, we're like, well, they had Jesus right there, and I have Jesus like 2,000 years later, so they're increased in their ability to do what Jesus did. I'm like way down the line. We kind of make up reasons why our experience doesn't look like the experience of the New Testament. But here's the problem with all of that. Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 14, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, 
because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is in the context of Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit to the disciples and the role that he is going to play in their life. And he says, flat out, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. How would you guys define works? Just what is that? What do you think of when you think of the word works? Actions, okay. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's not not like seven answers that we're going for here. That's the one, you got it. All right, so whoever believes in me will do the actions that I do. Will do the practices that I do. Will do the works that I do. That's a hard thing for us to wrap our heads around. So for today's message, we want to take a brief look at the life of Jesus and some of the actions, behaviors, the works that typify Jesus' life, and we want to start to apply those to our own lives. Now, here's the the maybe one more distancer that we tend to, to point at. Jesus was a first century Jewish rabbi carpenter. I am a 21st century uh, Ventura, Thousand Oaks, whatever, local. I don't, uh, I don't live the life that Jesus lived. So like wandering through northern Israel is not my day-to-day life. So things are by definition going to be different than Jesus. And that's true. So what we need to do is we need to look at the life that Jesus lived, the things that he taught, and then we look at the lives of the disciples that they lived even after Jesus left. What are the things that they grabbed a hold of and put into their lives and started living not only in Israel, but in Rome and Corinth and Colossae and Ephesus and Greece, wherever they went, and then they taught the next generation of disciples to live that same way. There became this set of things that they received from Jesus that they started to pass on to each and every generation, and it had nothing to do with being a first century Jewish rabbi carpenter. They were the core elements, the the kingdom life that Jesus had brought that he was giving to us to live out in whatever context. And so those are the things that we want to look at. Now, the list may be longer than this, um, but I I just want to give you a glimpse of some of what those things are. Um, And we'll spend some time breaking down three of these. Uh, These things are preaching the gospel. Jesus did that, and his disciples did as well, and on and on into the generations. Uh, Teaching the way of Jesus, what we're doing. Teaching people who say yes to following Jesus how to practice the way of Jesus. That's something that Jesus did. And then his disciples did also, and on and on. Engaging the outcast or the forgotten. All right? Jesus, frequently there was a leper or a bleeding woman or there were unique situations where somebody had been cast out of society and Jesus went out to meet them or they came to meet Jesus and there was connection. There was engagement with these, uh, these particular groups of people. Uh, life filled by, this is number four, life filled by or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a, a specific life that Jesus lived. Now, there's a lot of subcategories to this uh, where Jesus actually did things like healing the sick, prophesying, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, words of knowledge. He did things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about uh, what those things are and why they are important but also why our goal is life empowered by the Holy Spirit, not necessarily all those individual things that Jesus did. We'll talk about that. Uh, Number five, Jesus showed compassion toward the poor. This is different than the outcast. There were unique times where Jesus had specific compassion on people in poverty. Poverty was not an outcast situation necessarily. That usually required some kind of illness or skin issue or some, uh, some nationality issue, something like that. But there were faithful Jewish poor people, and Jesus showed compassion on them. 
He wasn't judging you about why they were poor. He didn't, you know, say, well, did you get in some bad debt or did you make a bad investment or did you lose a business? He just, he loved on poor people. That was something that Jesus demonstrated. Uh, Jesus was a man of prayer. He had different prayers that he prayed and different reasons that he prayed, but Jesus was specifically a man of prayer. And the disciples, as soon as they started living, when Jesus was gone, they became people of prayer. That was the life that they chose to live. And the seventh one that I came up with, again, there's probably a better, more complete list somewhere, uh, but Jesus befriended tax collectors and sinners. All right, so those are some of the things that Jesus did that we see immediately taking place in the lives of the disciples as they live after Jesus ascended into heaven, gave them the Holy Spirit. They start doing certain things. You read through the book of Acts and you see all of these things. You see them played out in the lives of the disciples. And then you start to see them teach things about how the next generation out can live this way. And then you start to see things like what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men and women who will teach others also. There's this idea that what you are receiving, you are to take and you are to pass on. And every generation after us is to live this way, to believe these things, to take on this life. So Jesus has given us a way. That's why we call this series Practicing the Way of Jesus. So as we're talking about living the life of Jesus, there are two big categories of how we are going to go about doing what Jesus did. Uh, the first we're going to talk about is imitation. And the second that we're going to talk about is uh, kind of I don't have a fancy title for it, uh, putting into practice <laughs> the things that Jesus did in our communities with the help of one another. Isn't that, that fits on a PowerPoint, right? That's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a Michael Scott title for a fun run or something. That was great. I should always title your sermons. Yeah. All right. No, nothing fancy. No alliteration. I apologize. But the first one was nice and short. Imitation. All right, let's do this. So, uh, it's a challenge for us to try and think of how Jesus would live his life in the 21st century. Uh, we live up in the suburbs. I don't know, Ventura doesn't really feel like a suburb, so it's more like a new urban center. How about we call that? Oxnard is a Ventura suburb. Does it feel like that sometimes? Yeah. So how we live that out. No, Max doesn't believe it. He's not buying it. Um, how we live this out is by looking at the lives of people that are living faithfully and we imitate them as they imitate Christ. So First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, this is a great one, by the way, uh, to go to. And maybe just if you have these cool ribbons in your Bible and you want to stick them in First Thessalonians 1. Reading First Thessalonians 1 and 2 will teach you a lot about how to receive the word of God and put it into practice in your life. It's a great section for that. So First Thessalonians 1 verses 4 through 6 say this. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So Thessalonica is a uh, Roman city. It's a Greek city, but it's a Roman city, uh, totally pagan, totally secular, and it's a, a city that a church was planted in, and many people came to faith in Jesus, and they're like, all right, we like this Jesus thing. Let's figure out how to live this way. Paul and his companions came into the city, and they start living among the people. This is, uh, if you've ever heard of Paul as a tent maker, 
Thessalonica is where Paul made his reputation as a tent maker. He had been a tent maker before, but the whole idea of uh, working to produce his own income so that the church wouldn't be burdened by the finances of keeping Paul there, that's what he did. He did that in this city. He was there for years. It was a beautiful place that he came and spent time and energy and worked to bring the gospel. He taught these people how to follow Jesus, but he gave them himself as an example, and he said, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He said that also to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11.1. And what we learn from this is that for us as 21st century Christians, one of the great things that we can do if we want to start doing the things that Jesus did is look for people that you know that are living a spirit-filled life that are living a Jesus life, a kingdom life, however you see that in the scriptures, you look at them and you see them living that life and you start to spend time with them and imitate them. You may not know all the answers or how to, how to put these things into practice in your life, but you watch them and you see what they're doing and you start to pattern your life after that. So you think about it and you're just like, man, I, I can't really figure out how this life of generosity looks. Look for the person in your life that loves Jesus and is living a generous life and spend time with them. Ask them questions. Have them work with you on what that looks like. It's a, it's a great opportunity to start imitating somebody else because they're imitating Christ. And that's one of the great gifts of the church is that all throughout the generations, we've been given the older generation to teach and raise up the younger generation. So here's how to look for somebody to imitate. Number one, I think uh, as you look at them, you're like, yeah, that person looks like Jesus. And then because sometimes we can be off, you cross-check that with the scriptures. Are the things that they're doing reflective of the person of Jesus? Now, we tend to get a little sketched out by this imitation thing because nobody's perfect. You may have even had uh, mentors or leaders or people in your life that uh, were Jesus-loving, faithful leaders, and then something happened and they... Uh, crash and burn or left their wife or whatever. You know, some situation where like all of a sudden you realize that they're really human and you're like, your, your world comes crashing down around that. Well, one of the things that we need to do is acknowledge that every human being is human being. We're all going to fall short of the glory of God. Everybody is, not everybody's doing their best, but many people are, are doing their best to be faithful, to follow Jesus, to imitate him as, as I imitate Christ. And you even think of at what point did Paul get to where he could say that confidently? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a huge statement. And so in that, I just want to encourage you to look for people that are living faithfully, but to understand that even they are going to be human. They're going to struggle. And one of the great things that will help you is to find somebody that is aware of that, that has the humility to acknowledge, just so you know, <laughs> I am striving to follow Jesus but I am not a perfect human being and here are the places that I struggle to follow Jesus. It's, it's one of the most helpful things to find a leader that can humbly share where they are uh, striving for Jesus and, and succeeding. And it's not prideful to say, this is where I found great value in pursuing Jesus, but this is the one that, you know, I just keep struggling with. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? All right. So we do that. We look at people and then we become imitators of those who bring the gospel in word and power and we become imitators of the Lord. So they need to match up. Uh, the other thing that Paul did is he taught people not about himself. He didn't come into Thessalonica and say, let me tell you all about my life and the way to live like I live. He taught about Jesus. Let me teach you who Jesus is and how to live like Jesus and then you can watch me as I learn to live like Jesus and keep living like Jesus. So for us, we look at both. We look at the leaders in our lives and we look at Jesus himself. 
So that's the first one is imitation. As we talk about that, I want, to keep it, I want you to keep in mind the things that we've been teaching the last couple of weeks, being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. You could try and do the things that Jesus did, but if you're not with Jesus and you're not becoming like him, that will be woefully inadequate. You will find very empty life experiences, very empty actions, but being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus, that, that produces the fruit of a life that is doing what Jesus did. And now we're going to talk about how you intentionally can also join in that life because it doesn't always just come naturally. That list that I read off, those things of like preaching the gospel, teaching the way, uh, practicing hospitality with the outcasts and foreigners, like those aren't always natural things for us. Sometimes we need to choose to intentionally do those things. So we're going to spend the rest of our time. Is that 10 minutes left on the clock? Okay, good. No, that's great. No, that's all right. I don't, I'll, do your, I'll do your clock. I'll be, I'll be good. So we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, talking through three specific uh, ways that we can incorporate the life of Jesus into our life and some hopefully practical help in putting those things into practice. I think I said the word practice in some way, shape, or form eight times in that sentence. So hope you get the point. Here we go. We're going to start with preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel, or speaking the gospel, or delivering the gospel. There are a lot of different words. I say preaching, and for some people that sets off alarm bells, and it's really hard to think about ever preaching the gospel. But what we mean when we say that is from your person to another person or group of people, delivering, giving, expressing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. This is one of the most terrifying components of being a follower of Jesus for many people because... You're like insisting that somebody believes something and you're like, I'm still struggling to know if I even believe this. Full. You know, it's like we get in those weird places, but let me tell you why this is critical. Not only did Jesus preach the gospel of the kingdom himself, he shared the gospel, he spoke it, but then he commanded us to do that very thing. Go make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This, this whole idea of the Great Commission is get out there and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So if we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not going to do that thing, there's an issue with us saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. So we need to grow in our ability to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to grow in this area of sharing the gospel. So how can you grow in the area of sharing the gospel? Step one, practice. Get a lot of practice sharing the gospel. If you're in a community and you have a group of followers of Jesus, I would recommend something like every week or as often as you get together, one person in your group verbally sharing the gospel with the rest of the group and then letting the rest of the group share what they experience as they receive that. Hey, this was great. What you said there was so powerful. It was so encouraging. That was so exciting. Hey, that didn't make any sense at all. I don't know why you used that metaphor. Like whatever. You can just have that, that moment of sharing and feedback to just get in the habit of growing in this language of the gospel. Uh, at TO, we're sharing a document, and I'm going to say it, and you can share it if you want to, but there's an author named Jeff Vanderstelt that writes a nine-page PDF called Gospel Fluency, and it is phenomenal, you guys. It just helps take the, um, the learning curve down a little bit in how to regularly and consistently and faithfully share your story, Jesus' story, kind of meshed into one. It's amazing. It's so helpful. And so we're, we're going to share that with T.O., and I'd love to share it with you guys. I uh, had a guy come up to me after service at T.O. today. He's like, how do you know Jeff Vanderstelt? My sister uh, works at his church. I was like, oh, well, awesome. 
tell him we're giving away his stuff for free because uh, <laughs> that would be really helpful. Um, but he's, he's a great guy and it's a very helpful thing. But this practice thing is really critical because we don't always know the words that we're saying. And sometimes it can come across to people out in the world that don't know Jesus like a very difficult thing. Uh, I believe that I speak Spanish very well. My wife tells me that I speak Spanish very terribly. And sometimes when I speak to Spanish-speaking people with my Spanish language, they look at me like I'm crazy uh, because I think that I'm doing just fine and they know that I'm doing not very fine at all. And it's funny to think, like I just would love an English equivalent if uh, I don't know what I sound like. But there are times that we think we're doing great and other people just aren't receiving what we're saying. And that's where practicing in community can help. So that's step one, practice. Step two is ask the Holy Spirit for opportunities Ask the Holy Spirit for opportunities to preach the gospel. This does two things for you. The first thing it does is it forces you to be intentional. If you're asking the Holy Spirit to provide opportunities for you to preach the gospel, it's already like honing your awareness for what those opportunities might be. Then when somebody at work, you know, you ask them how they're doing and they're just like, I don't know, man, I've really been struggling lately. You're like, yeah, the Dodgers have been struggling too. It kind of takes that piece out and lets you be intentional about stepping into, oh man, what's going on? Like, you want to share that with me? Maybe I could pray for you and tell you a little bit about how I get encouragement. And you just open that door and you're in and you're ready and you're looking for those opportunities. The other thing that it does is I genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit responds to us when we ask. You ask for opportunities to preach the gospel, and he says, sure. And he opens up crazy opportunities for you to preach the gospel. So that's step two. Step one is practice. Step two is ask the Holy Spirit. And then step three, it's pretty simple. When the Holy Spirit provides the opportunity, what should you do? Do it. (laughs) Say yes. Have the courage in that moment to step out in faith and say, okay, he's opening the door. I'm going to walk through it. You may not know the outcome. You may feel like you're stumbling and working your way through it, but you believe that the Holy Spirit answered your prayer. He opened that door. So I'm going to walk through that door and I'm going to say yes. All right. So that's, those are just, as we think about preaching the gospel, uh, Jesus did all of these things with his disciples. He taught them how to preach the gospel to other people. He asked them. He gave them feedback. Hey, who do people say that I am? Well, some say Elijah. Some say, you know, who do you say that I am? Well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Nailed it. Yes, that's exactly who I am. And that's what I'm going to build my church on. That's how Jesus interacted with his disciples. And so as we think about this, this is a great opportunity for us to learn and practice this idea of sharing the gospel. All right, I know I mentioned a lot in that list, and maybe some of that will come out in our, um, in our uh, additional materials, our subsequent podcasts, whatever we're calling them, but just ways that we can engage practicing the way of Jesus uh, outside of the three that I'm focusing in on here tonight. Uh, but that was the first one, preaching the gospel. The second one is prayer. So again, I'm going to go to the sentence, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't really do that prayer thing. Those things don't, those don't work. To say I'm a follower of Jesus, then the next thing that you say, if you're speaking about prayer, should be, and I want to grow in my prayer life to look like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did, and Jesus prayed a lot. There were times that Jesus prayed quickly. If you ever read through the Lord's Prayer, it takes, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds to pray that prayer. It's not like a long, lengthy, two-day kind of a prayer. It's a relatively short prayer, and when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, pray this. 
But then Jesus also went away for overnighters on mountains and he prayed overnight. And he also went away for 40 days of fasting and praying to be with the Father. Jesus had different ways and different moments that he prayed, sometimes with people, sometimes on his own. But he was a, he was a man of prayer. It's what he did. And so as we think about this and we say, I want to do what Jesus did, prayer needs to be a growing part of our life. This is a huge opportunity, and I, I, I don't want to look at these things as like tag-ons or responsibilities or things that you have to do now because you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus invited us to a life of prayer. The writer of Hebrews says, let us approach the throne with confidence. That's a whole new thing that we have access to. We have been given the opportunity to pray like no people has ever been able to pray before, and we are invited to take full advantage of that. And so growing in the practice of prayer is a discipline. It's something that takes time for us to grow in that. I don't know what you guys are, are like, but I get distracted when I pray. Anybody else get distracted when they pray? Uh, I, I was uh, out on a, like a one-day prayer retreat thing, and I went, um, I'm not a surfer, I'm a uh, bodyboarder, so I'm out there on that thing. And uh, I was out in the water, and I thought it was like the perfect spot because I was all by myself. I had the water mostly to myself. I was out of county line and just sitting there floating and thinking, this is like the greatest place ever to just be with Jesus and pray and started praying and enjoying my time with him and then just kind of like drifted and looked around and saw those big houses up over PCH and was like, I wonder what it's like to live in those big houses up over PCH and then started thinking about how John Shapiro met Rob Lowe in the water at County Line and I started thinking that I wanted to meet Rob Lowe in the water at County Line whatever like those things just start to drift into your mind and it is a discipline to learn how to pray and to pray well you're not going to get it overnight this is stuff that we grow in but I want to encourage you and challenge you to take on the practice of prayer as a discipline and say all right I'm going to grow this muscle I'm going to grow this muscle over time. So uh, just things, if you're looking for ways to um, put this into practice, start with like your drive time. If you have a commute, uh, I was talking with a guy this morning that said he has a 36-minute drive to work every day, and he started using that for prayer. And it's been, he said it's been the most helpful thing in his life to just discipline himself to prayer in that space while he's in the car, while he's driving, every single day, just make it a habit and a pattern, just have his list of things to pray for. I was like, that's amazing, John. I love that you're doing that. It was such an encouragement to see somebody that had said, yeah, drive time. That's totally the time that I'm going to learn how to pray. And, he's, and he was absolutely living that life. It was a great thing. Or maybe you look at like filling your car up with gas. I don't know why all these car examples, but fill your car up with gas. You've got, you know, I don't know, two minutes while you're sitting there and just be, just think about like a filling prayer. Holy Spirit, would you fill me up today? Prepare me for all that you have for me. Whatever miles you're going to put on this body. We're just going to keep going with the car metaphor. (laughs) Whatever miles you're going to put on this body today, I want it done in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is getting really cheesy, but it's beautiful. And just using moments like that, whatever those moments are, Uh, You could be the busiest person in the world, but there are certain things that everybody has to do that you could say, I'm going to devote this to prayer, and I'm going to make a point that this is the spot on a daily basis that I give myself to the Lord in prayer. And then you start to grow into things like a couple hours or a day or something along those lines. That's a a, a place that we can strive for and grow in. All right, the last one that I want to talk about is this idea of practicing the power of the Spirit. I mentioned that I was going to talk about this. Jesus did a lot of wild things, miraculous things, things that look uh, like things that we would never do. 
And there's this tension to say, well, Jesus raised people from the dead, and we're saying that you're going to do what Jesus did, so are we saying that you're going to raise people from the dead? Like, that, that might be where some of your minds go when you see a message title like, do what Jesus did. And I just want to share with you, like, that's not, that's not how I understand this whole thing to be. I don't, I, even though Jesus raised people from the dead, I don't believe that there is then the command that we are going to go and raise people from the dead. But... I believe that Jesus did those things in the power of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures teach that Jesus did those things in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit and said, you are going to do works that I've done and greater than these. And then he sent us off in the power of the Holy Spirit to be people who live by that power. The reason that I say I'm not going to tell you to raise people from the dead is we don't know what outcomes or what avenues the Holy Spirit is going to use to minister to people in our era, in our generation, uh, in, these, in these cities that we live in. But if we're walking by the power of the Spirit, we want to trust that He is going to use things, maybe even miraculous things, to demonstrate His power and His grace and His kindness. But we want to press into the Holy Spirit and let those things be produced and have the faith to say yes. If He invites us into something that doesn't feel logical or doesn't feel physically possible or doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense, but the Holy Spirit is opening that door for us to say yes, we want to prepare ourselves to say yes to those things and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's some things that you can do, just uh, things to grow in the exercise of practicing the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you can ask the Holy Spirit to show you somebody that needs encouragement. So even if you just start in a gathering like this, like a, like a Sunday gathering, and you just, you're, maybe while the guys are singing, you're worshiping, and you just say, Spirit of God, would you just show me who in this room just needs to be encouraged today, just needs the moment to be, to be prayed for or loved on. And if the, if the Lord puts a person on your heart, just go and pray for them. Just say, hey, I feel like the Lord wanted me to encourage you. Can I pray for you? Can I minister to you? Just the, something as simple as, Lord, is there anybody here that you want me to encourage or pray for? The next one is to maybe do that out in the world when you're not just in a Sunday gathered space. Uh, take the opportunity when you're waiting in line at the grocery store for coffee to put your phone away. Step one, <laughs> stop just doing this for the six minutes while you're waiting for your coffee or whatever. Put your phone away and just start looking around a coffee shop and just ask the Lord, is there anybody here that you, just, that you want to say something to, that you want to encourage, that you want to speak to? And then if he gives you something for somebody and says, yeah, go up to this guy. Just tell him that the Lord told you to encourage him. Do that. Just go to people and say, hey, man, I, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to encourage you today. Or maybe that sounds too creepy for you. I just feel like Jesus, <laughs> you got to go with Jesus. Jesus wanted me to encourage you today. Or can I pray for you? I feel like you need encouragement. Something to just actually step into that place, even in a setting like that. The next thing is kind of stepping into... Um, Asking the Holy Spirit if there's anything that he wants you to do that you wouldn't think of on your own. So just opening yourself up to what he might want to do to work in your life, to work in the life of somebody else, to demonstrate the power of the gospel. Maybe you're in a situation where you know you have opportunity or voice or leadership and you just ask the Lord, is there anything that I wouldn't normally think of that you want to do here today? And just give space to hear what he may say in that situation. These things are, uh, it's, it's simultaneously not rock and science, but it is a discipline. It's a discipline to prepare ourselves for what God may want to do with us. 
He has He has a work that he wants to do through each one of you. He has a, a, a voice that he wants to bring to your life, something unique, something distinct that God wants to do with each one of you. If you were to go around this room and just say, this is what I do, this is where I spend my day, just that alone, that context, God the Holy Spirit wants to minister through you, your personality, you, the way that you, your creativity, the way that you think in that unique location. Just that is like, when you think of the will of God for your life, right there, you can just articulate that God wants to take you in your body and your personality in the situation where you live and you spend your time and he wants to minister through you to those people. That is a unique mission right there. So opening yourself up to that and saying, how, Holy Spirit, do you want to do this? I'm ready. I'm willing. And I want to see what you have to do in this place. The point of practicing the way of Jesus in this world is that we would be people that are living like Jesus so that this dark and lonely world can meet Jesus face to face. It's not saying that you become Jesus, but you are his ambassador. You're his representative. You are his heart. We like to say his hands and feet. You are his representation in this world. And so we want to practice the way of Jesus so that when people meet us, they get this glimpse of heaven, this glimpse of joy, this glimpse of peace that they don't know how to experience on their own. So by practicing the way of Jesus, we put Jesus out there for the world to meet. And they need him. This world needs to know that Jesus is amazing. And each one of us has the opportunity to demonstrate that in our lives.